1 Corinthians chapter 12, please, and we will read verse 12. Now, this passage, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth, explaining to them about the importance of the body of Christ. And we need to understand that we're all one together, and that no man and no woman is solo. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Or the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. If we understand that every one of us is a certain part in the body of Christ, then we would better understand that the body of Christ can only function if every single member gets involved and does their part. But if one member does not operate in his or her part, then the body cannot fully function. And then when you have 10 members in the body not functioning, the body is becoming more handicapped. You can go on, but it's becoming more handicapped. And then when you get the majority of your church not functioning like they should as saved Christians, you created a handicapped body. And that body does no good and cannot do great things. And we have to understand that each and every one of us count as an important function in the body of Christ. If we want San Jose Bible Baptist Church to be mildly used for the Lord, we need every one of you, and I don't care who you are. Every single one of you is important to the church. And when one of you fail out, then the body can fail out. It is important that we're all in this together. It doesn't matter if you can't even preach on this pulpit. It doesn't matter if you're not a talkative type of person. You are very important. You are very important to the body of Christ. Brother William can be silent all day long, but sure, he was important to me during my moving day. I'm glad I got him. So it's so important that each and every one of you counts to the body of Christ, no matter who you are, no matter who you are. 
Now, I hope that this sermon will not only be an encouragement, but also be a convicting sermon. Amen. Because the title of my message today, One for All and All for One. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, fill within me Holy Spirit power. Help me to preach what you want me to preach. That's all I can pray and ask. Uh, I feel like a handicapped person myself already. But Heavenly Father, uh, for some weird reason, I'm some special part to the body of Christ. Use this little member of yours for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's look at verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. My first point is collective members. Collective members. Notice, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So notice right here, it doesn't matter who you are, man, woman, child. It doesn't matter what culture you are, what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter if you have disabilities. It doesn't matter if you have abilities. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you drive far away to our church or if you're a person that drives very close to our church doesn't matter who you are the Bible says that all of us were collectively one together the members make up a collection together and that is called the body of Jesus Christ Amen. what an honor what an honor you know that's the problem with people is the reason why they skip out even just one service or even one soul winning thing or they skip out in one duty in the church, it's very simple. They never consider themselves to be part of a team. You might say, really? Yeah, because think about it, is that if you were part of a team and this team motivated you so much and you love your team, you love the members in your team. And this team, they were conquering game after game, let's say in a basketball game. And then they were conquering one team and another team. They went through uh, fights together. They went through struggles and challenges together. They broke out sweat, tears, and then they encouraged each other. And then they uh, hit one game, two games, and they hit off to uh, the playoffs, the semifinals, and then the finals. I mean, when that happens... Each and every team member will pull up to the best of their ability and not skip even one practice session or even one game because they know how important it is for their involvement. Why? Because they got motivated about their team, that they'll do anything for their team, that they're going to pay more money, they're going to sacrifice more time. There are some people who even sacrifice their families, unfortunately, for a stupid ball game, believe it or not. But the thing is, they can do that for a piece of ball that just goes through in a hoop, but they can't do that for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, you cannot sacrifice family. You cannot sacrifice your time. You cannot sacrifice hardworking efforts. Why? Because you're just too important. 
And that is the problem. You're not motivated about your church. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is, is that if you really saw our church as a very unique church, as a church that you get excited with these results and these fruits that we produce, and then you see that, man, we're up against challenges nowadays, impossible odds. Do you recount all the victories we went through? Do you recount all the struggles that we went through? The tears that we cried to... Together, the sweat that we broke out together, the prayers that we all struggled in together, and the souls that we got saved together, and the people that we brought into church together. I mean, do you recall all of that? No, you don't. You lack motivation. You don't care about your team. But recounting all the victories and the struggles and everything, and then if you got excited, truly excited about your church, you're going to get here early. You know what you're going to notice about some people who work extra hard in the church? It's something that they're motivated about, their church. You know, recall that uh, blowout meeting? That was a miracle of God. Do you recall how all of us try to put in an effort together? You know why some people will sacrifice their schedule, their job, and, you know, risk, take risk to do the blowout uh, meeting? You know why they were doing that? They got excited about their team. And they realized we're in a fight together. We're in this together. They got excited about the blowout, the revival that, man, I can't wait for the preaching. I can't wait for the singing. I can't wait for the fellowship. And I can't wait for the free food and the free t-shirt, bless God. And I'm going to come. I'm going to put in an effort. I'm going to get there two hours earlier. And you get these team members who are such fanatics that after the game is over, They'll, go, they'll yak off their mouths till midnight. Why? Because they're so excited and motivated about their team. And the reason why you skip out is very simple, is that you lost your vision of your great, unique church. And you just have to look at the victories. You have to look at the struggles we went through. And you forgot what God pulled you out of and miraculously answered your prayer. And those times that when you were on the bottom, and don't you remember the time when there seemed to be no miracle? And God gave that miracle. And he used this church to do that. And this church, how they pulled in for you and prayed for you. And don't you recount how the souls got saved, the fruits that were produced and how unique this church is. Do you realize the odds that are stacked against us? We should have been annihilated. This church should have never existed. If you were at the beginnings of our church, you should have seen and remembered that this church should not even be here and it can close any moment and any time. But God pulled in a miracle and the church pulled through. And no matter how much the devil persecutes the church, the truth still marches on and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Wow, if you remember, that, recall that vision of a great church. Do you recall the history of Bible believers that were being taught? And you got riled up. You got motivated. Makes you want to serve God and get involved. And that's what you lost. You lost your fire. You lost your motivation. That's why you skip. It's that simple. You don't remember your brothers and sisters in Christ who burned at the stake. You forgot those stories. You forgot those great stories of great awakening revival preachers who just got thousands on the altar and souls got saved. You recall those uh, victories that the Lord pulled you through in your life, in your own local church, how the Lord blessed them with fruits that God didn't give even to the mega churches. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You lost your vision. You're not motivated. That's why you skip out. Don't skip out. Don't skip out. You know, you say, why, why, why? Because we're all a team. We're a collection together. A great collection together. We're a team. You don't take, uh, you don't think much about your team. You think that they're not that awesome. You think that your team is just a failure. You take your team lightly. You have a different team in mind that you teamed up with. And that's called your work. You have a different team in your mind, and that's your school. You have a different team in mind, and that's your worldly lost, unbelieving friends. And yeah, you won't skip out on those things because you love that team more than the team that is more unique, the most unique thing in all of history, in all the world. I mean, this is the team right here. How unique, how special the church is. You do not realize that. My second point is concerned members. Concerned members. Let's look at verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Notice right here, that there's some member in the body of Christ that's concerned. At verse 15, 16, and 17, they go, well, you know, I'm not, the foot says, well, guess what? I'm not the hand, so I'm not the body. No, it's, is it therefore not of the body, Paul says? The ear says, well, I'm not like the eye. And then Paul's like, is it therefore not of the body? Because if all the body were an eye, then where's the hearing, right? You know, the problem is this, is that members don't recognize how important they are. And let me switch it to you. See, you don't realize. I don't want to say they. I want to say you. You don't realize how important you are to the church. You don't realize it. Even if I never say hello to you, even if nobody thanks you for what you did in the church, you don't realize how important you are. Everyone. Your problem is you don't think you're that important. You say that, well, if I miss out in church, it's not going to really hurt the church. I mean, they got uh, Brother Jonathan and Brother Robert who will make up all the noise, you know. They got Pastor Kim who will make up all the teaching and preaching. You know, they got enough people who can sing in that church. They don't need me to sing along. They've got enough people to do the, uh, uh, the offering. I mean, see, that's the problem. You don't think you're that important. But you got to realize this is that why are you comparing yourself to the eye, to the ear? You know what you are? You're the foot. And the foot is needed for the body to walk. Amen. That's good. You know, you, you, your problem is you think that you're a small finger. That's why. And, you know, let's be honest. The whole body can function and do its duties even if you banged up your one finger. And then when you just hurt your one finger, you go, well, you know, I can, uh, the, I can function. I can still work. Not a big deal. And it's just a little finger. It's not a big deal. That's why you believe it. That's why you believe you're not important. Why? Because you see how well the body's functioning. Even though you're that little finger that don't really work that well. That's why you believe that it's okay. I can bail out. 
It's okay I don't participate in soul winning. It's okay that I don't participate in hymn singing. It's okay, and that's your problem. Why? Because you see how well the body goes without this uh, one little finger, which is you. And it's not that important. Yeah, you're right about that. But uh, guess what? Unexpected, when an unexpected situation comes out, let's say a robber comes out and he's about to kill me and rob my stuff and then I got a gun in my hand and I need that trigger finger, all of a sudden that finger that I never thought of in all my life to be important, all of a sudden it just responds slowly. It hurts and then it's too late. It takes that couple, uh, it takes less than a second for, enough for that robber to take out his gun or to come in and to attack me and it's over. And see, that's what you don't realize. Unexpected situations happen in church. And the devil is that murderer from the beginning. And an unexpected situation happens in the church where you think that, I'm not important. I'm not a big deal. I mean, uh, look at the body. It's still going on. Yeah, but unexpected situations happen. And it takes only one thing where you are not there. And then all of a sudden, the very next Sunday, you hear pastor saying, you know, I'm going to quit pastoring the church because I didn't see anyone come to visitation that day. It takes an unexpected situation where nothing happened, where you were not there when you were needed, and then all of a sudden, you get no preacher to preach. Why? Because only pastor's the one that's preaching and teaching. It takes one expected, unexpected situation where you are needed, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we, uh, we have a hard time taking care of the kids because no one is willing to take care of the kid in that room, in the nursery. It takes one unexpected situation and then all of a sudden, yep, it only takes one where we can't be able to worship the Lord. One unexpected situation and thing, whether it be the music, whether it be the hymn singing, whether it be the preaching, whether it be the teaching, whether it's man, woman, and child, do you realize it only takes one unexpected situation? You realize uh, we, don't, we only have one teacher for the ladies. We only have one piano player to play the music. We only have one to do these things. And guess what? When one is gone, boom. Well, you know, uh, I don't need to go to church that day. It only takes one. One. Where, guess what? The other one thinks the same as you. And the other one thinks same as you. And the other one thinks the same as you. And the other one thinks the same as you. And guess what? You lost a whole hand. Let's see your body function after that. You don't think that happened? And I mean, this happened in my church. Some people know what I'm talking about. It only took one person. During that time, it only took one person where it affected the morale of the other people. Because that one person was needful to keep up the morale. But when that one person was gone, guess what happened? The other person was gone too. And then me as a pastor, when I saw everything, I was like, oh boy, I hope that the church can continue. And guess what? It dropped. I dropped to two people at the end, you know that? And my church was growing. But guess what? It took one and then another one. And then, boom. You don't think you're that important, are you? It takes one. It takes one. You know why? It's called unexpected situations. You know what it's called? It's called the world, the flesh, and the devil, which happen every single day. 
And guess what? One of those unexpected, unfortunate moments, it will happen if no one goes over there. You're important. Do you realize that? I don't care who you are. You're important. I don't think I'm that important. I sure did. You, you saw the hundreds and the thousands who get saved from our ministry. One person was important to me because I could have closed down the church. I was finding every reason. Didn't you know that? I was finding every reason to try to close down church. But then the reason why I didn't quit was because that one person who kept coming to my church service. Amen. Amen. I was this close to closing. It took one. One. Amen. Took one. I was this close to not meeting any of you almost. Some of you. A lot of you. This close to I've never met you. Know who you are. You're not important, huh? Especially in a world where Satan consistently attacks, you really believe you're not that important? All right, verse 18, verse 18, verse 18. Consecrated members, consecrated members. Let's look at verse 18 through 20. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they mem many members, yet but one body. So notice right here that these members, that they're consecrated, that they are used and set aside by God at verse 18. God's the one who takes each and every one of you member and puts you in a place in the body to function and to work and to glorify Him. You're consecrated and given to the Lord. So isn't God the one that sets the members in the body? And it's not yours truly. And it's not uh, Robert Randall. It's not Sheila Randall. And it's not Tom Cho. It's not Sean Lawler. Isn't it God the one who sets the members in the body? When each member is consecrated, set aside by God, that means it's God, not Pastor Gene Kim. We need Pastor Gene Kim so badly. No, you don't need me. You need God. Amen. And that's the problem of the church. The church's problem is that they became dependent upon certain people. And it takes, like I mentioned, an unexpected situation where the person don't come back anymore. Where something bad happens to the person, then will the church fall apart? Does the church end? Good. I am not the head of the church. It's Jesus Christ. Amen, and as long as the head is functioning, guess what? The body will go on. But your problem is you put me as the head. You know what your problem is? You're looking at certain people, your friends that you need. Otherwise, you won't come back to the church if you don't see those specific people in church. And you put them as the heads, you became dependent on them, not on God. Let me challenge you with this, okay? If I thought it like you did, I would have never planted a church here. You think I got all these people when I started my church? I'd start out by myself. Just Jesus and me. My favorite hymn was just Jesus and me for each tomorrow. What a depressed life, right? Yeah. During that time, I had to be dependent on God, yeah. not on people. Why do you think I didn't quit that time, even though I was trying to find an excuse to quit years ago? You know why? I had to depend on God. Yeah. I have to realize that God is the one that brings everything in His timing. 
I want to challenge you with this is that let's say it's just in this church service today, it's just you and an 80-year-old grandma, that's it. Would you still come to this church faithfully every Sunday, Wednesday, and soul winning and serve God? Or you need brother and sister so-and-so there in order to have a good time. You need Pastor Gene Kim there so that he can draw with a whiteboard because he can preach and convict me. I need that guy. You know, God can put a boring preacher in front of you. You know that? Bible believer preaching from the Word of God, not compromising. But just his delivery is just not something that suits your taste. Hello, onliners. Hello, did I get your attention? Yes, we're back live streaming. Perfect timing, right? You need to hear this. That's the problem with people. You know what? You became dependent upon people. One day, you know what's dangerous about You got to be careful of that. You might say, why is that? Because it will happen. There is such a thing called betrayal in the church from people. There is such a thing called abandonment where people will leave you in this church. There is such a thing that death, people unexpectedly die in the church. And guess what? There is such a thing where you might come across a situation where you just might be all alone. And you don't have pastor there to help you. You don't have a church member here to help you. And you're not on WhatsApp anymore. And you're just all alone. Then what are you going to do? You're going to serve God? You're going to keep the church going? You, you might say, why should I think about that right now? I'm telling you to think about it right now because the reason why, if you look back at your sufferings, I don't know if you suffered yet. I'm pretty sure everybody suffered here. But if you recall back in your sufferings, they had to do with depending upon certain people to help you out. But then when you lost that support and God took away, allowed the devil to take away that support, then what happened? You thought that your life was going to crash and it was just so hard for you to keep on going on. You know, it took only the whole world to make something crazy like, coronavirus is coming, lockdown. And then all of a sudden, without warning, you're like, what am I going to do? And you're locked all by yourself at your home. It takes something very unexpected, something crazy like that. Then you think you can serve Jesus Christ after that? You think that you'll surrender your life to Jesus Christ? You know, uh, I don't know about you. If you were panicking about the coronavirus and thought that you couldn't live life anymore... You know, I'll be honest about myself. Sure, I was a little scared, but I wasn't that scared. You know why? I was so much used to, for the past eight years, to serve God by myself. So what was good about that? What was good about that is I've learned to depend on God, Amen. not yeah. on people. That's right. So then whenever a bad thing happened, and yeah, even with my own family too, you know what God used that for? Even uh, how I was able to overcome the hurdles and problems even with my own family and the hurt that I went through, even with my own church, the hurt that I went through. You know why I can still love my church, love my family, and love people around me, even at times when I felt like people let me down? You know why I can do that? Because I never depended on them. I depended on God. And because I depended on God, I never felt betrayed. I never felt abandoned. I just felt like, look, God's in control. What are you worried about? That's it. That's it. And that people are people. So you have to understand, Gene. Right. They're flesh. Right. Didn't God already tell you a long time ago, they'll betray you, they'll abandon you, and that they're flesh? 
So that's what helped me live life. And it helped me during the coronavirus to keep pastoring, to help all of you. And I'm so proud of this church, how we became stronger during the coronavirus, which shocked me. We became stronger through this. But you know how I was able to implement the plan to begin with was depending on God, not on people. And when you depend upon your people, you better be careful of that. You got to depend on God. Sometimes, you know, I can work overtime too. And then I'll say, but Lord, I got to do this because if I skip out one thing, then I'm afraid that I'm going to lose that church member and that person's going to slide. And God had to teach me, wait a minute then. So you, we need Eugene, not me. I think you got to watch after your health, Gene, and calm down. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. Amen. And guess what? I still got a church. I still got YouTube online. I don't know. That's a miracle. You know why? Because it's God. You know why you should know that now? Because you will face it. Not once, not twice, but several times in your life if not many times. Because the more dependent you are on people, the more you're going to expect these things from people, good things from people, what they're supposed to do for you. And then what happens is your mentality grows more to a spoiled mentality where you're going to think that I should get this from these people. I should get these from these people. And when they don't do that, what happens is you feel hurt and you feel bitter. Why? Because pastor didn't come up to me after church and said hi. That's what's going to happen. I know you laugh about that now, but it will happen at that point. Why? Because you're so used to depending on people. You know how I'm able to keep... I'm not a strong person. I'll be honest. I'm not strong. I'm very pathetic and weak. If I gave you a history of every time that I cried, you'd think that I'm the crybaby. My uncle called me Prince of Crybabies, actually, before. I I cried very heavily. But, you know, uh, so I am not strong. But how am I able to become the person that I am? I've just learned to depend on God, not on people. So that no matter what suffering I go through, I don't panic. I don't fear because I'm just so used to, it's just like His great love. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. That's what I've learned to do during suffering. It's just like Him, Lord. Oh, it's the same thing every day, Lord. That's good. Good preaching. Because one day your lonely time will come. And some of you already been through those lonely times. So I'm pretty sure majority of you can agree with what I'm talking about right here. And it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts really bad. And you feel like you can't breathe. It feels like that you can't sleep. And it feels like that all the world's against you. Do you know what I'm talking about? You never felt that before? If you did feel about that before, what would have helped you is if you learned to depend on God a long time ago. If you depended on God a long time ago, not on people, and you were so faithful to have the mentality that I'm going to go to church even if it's just me and an 80-year-old grandma. And if you had that mentality all the time, you would have put God in every situation in church rather than people during fellowship that just make you feel good and make you happy and make you laugh. Amen. And make you feel good and comfort you saying I'm praying for you. And a great spectacular preaching and teaching from a pastor. Why don't you put God in the picture and not something in the environment that you need from people to make you enjoy a good church service? Let's look at the fourth point, verse 21, verse 21, controlling members, controlling members. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, 
nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Notice that there's a particular member in the body of Christ that is controlling. The eye says, hey, hand, I don't need you. And God says, no, you, that don't make sense. Each part counts. Now, the danger of some members, you may be the member that's not dependent on people. You're dependent on God. And then you work very hard for the Lord. Amen. But then there's another wrong balance right there that what happens is, is that then you're used to doing everything yourself. Mm, come on, brother. Us. And then what happens is you're that member in the church that would uh, go through hurt with your family, hurt with your job, trying to work overtime for the church, and you're doing five or three different things for the ministry, and then what happens is then your health fails, and then your schedule feel, fails, and then you can't manage things well, and then what happens is you feel like the devil is constantly attacking you, and that you feel like giving up. Hey, guess what? You know what maybe your problem is? You just control too many things in the body of Christ. And you who are the eye need to let the ear do his part. And the foot do his part. Pastor, I'll do this for you. I enjoy that. I love that. I thank God for you. But guess what? Sometimes what I'm going to say, no. Go to home. Get some sleep. I don't need you. You know, I won't, I won't say it that way. But I'm going to say, no. Why? Because maybe because you're just doing too much. And we need to give other brethren in the church a chance. Amen, brother. That's good. That's you know, you have a good heart. Like, I'm going to help you out in this and this and this. And thank you so much for that. I mean, I'm the most spoiled pastor in the world, bless God. I mean, my members are really, really good to me. So thank you so much for that one. But, you know, the problem is, is that when you do that, you think you're being a good heart to people. But actually, you don't see the bad side to it. The bad side to it is... You're being unfair to those people where they don't have a chance to serve the Lord, to be a blessing to the church, to pay the meal, to pick up somebody, to set up the tech, to set up the chairs. You're not giving them a chance. You know what that is? Oh, I thought I'm not. I'm being so selfless in helping people. You're selfish. You're selfish. You're not giving them a chance to get to get a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. There are those silent people that we don't really know about who uh, silently want, have a desire to help out the church, but they've just never been asked upon. And well, let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance to help out the church. Don't control every situation and insist that you'll do all of this because when you do that, then guess what? Then the eye is important and not the body of Christ. Not the nose, not the mouth, not the ear, not the hand, not anything. Then it's not the body of Christ. It's the eye. That's it. You know, uh, you got to look at yourself. Are you the controlling member in the body of Christ? Maybe it's time that you ask somebody to help you. Encourage them. Maybe it's time that you try to train somebody and have them help you. Maybe it's time that you start to let go a bit and let God. Because God's supposed to control the members, not you. Let's look at the fifth point, verse 22, verse 22. Crippled members, crippled members. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble 
are necessary. Notice that there are feeble, crippled members over here. And I know that some of you, if you, uh, me, I don't understand this, but I, I think I, I'm starting to notice this. I don't know why you think, uh, apparently, I guess you think I'm very important. All right. I don't think so. But uh, I could be wrong, but it seems like some of you think that I'm such a very important person that you're like, oh, I hope I don't make a mistake. You, you remember your first time preaching and teaching? I don't want to make a mistake. I can't let pastor down. You know, I want to make him proud. I just want to do a very good job. Apparently some of you think like that. I don't know why, you know. I mean, I, I'm not that important, you know. Uh, I, don't, I could be wrong with my assumption, but that's what I'm getting some vibes from some people. Like, man, I don't want to let him down. I want to do a good job. And then when you make a mistake, then you go, oh, oh. Oh, man, I let the pastor down and man, I just want to show him that I can be a great help and a big blessing. And I, am I hitting somebody over here? I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking to thin air. And if I'm speaking to thin air and I'm just giving a wild guess, I know that one day it might happen in the future. You might say, why? Because I was like that, too. I want to do everything right, everything perfect. I want to make my church happy and make my pastor proud. And then when I was at PBI, I just wanted to do a really, really, really good job. And then when I became a pastor over here, I mean, now that everybody in the world knows about me online, I really, really, really want to do a good job, right? And then make sure that I don't let all those other preachers down. But, you know, the problem is this, is that the problem is perhaps you're not humble to take in the correction and just realize, you know what? I am not the perfect preacher. I am not the perfect helper in the church. I am a feeble helper. I am a feeble preacher. I am crippled. But I just thank God that he would use a cripple like me. I think that's your problem. Your problem is, sure, you get discouraged over the mistakes that you make and then when you get correction, it just makes you feel more guilty and you just want to run away. No, if I were you, I'd be humble enough to take in any correction that I hear and say, yes, sir, I'm going to fix that by the grace of God. And not get ashamed, embarrassed, and try to run away and just go, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't do that. All right? Because I've done that before. That's dangerous. That means you missed out a lot of gold mines that the person is trying to help you. You need to pay attention and say, okay, it's this, this, this I'm going to fix. You know how I became the preacher that I am today? I listen. I listen and go, okay, yes, I admit I'm that stupid in my schoolwork. And yes, I'm that stupid in my preaching and teaching. So now that I know the problem, I'm going to fix it. And guess what? I get a better grade at school. Guess what happens? I preach and teach a better message. You know, that's pride if you run away. If you're ashamed and you go, oh, oh, and then, oh man, I get corrected again. No, you need that. You need that. Don't be discouraged over your mistakes. You know what your problem is? You don't realize how important you are. If you look at the verse, it says more feeble are necessary. Why do you think you're receiving correction from that person? Think about it. Even in a workplace. Even uh, in schoolwork, even in the ministry when you're working, why did you receive correction in your duty and job? You wouldn't receive the correction if the person didn't ask you to do it to begin with. 
to do that job, to do that work to begin with? Why would they ask you to do that job and to do that work? Because they see you as somebody important to help them. And the only reason why they're correcting you is so that you can continually help them. Why do you get discouraged over your mistake? No, they know how important you are. The leader, the pastor knows how important you are. They know how important you are to help out and they want you to help out but they're trying to correct you so that you can help out even better. So that you can do the helping effectively. There's nothing wrong with that. Imagine if they never corrected you. Then how would you even know if you're really helping the brother and sister? Let's look at verse 23, verse 23, verse 23. Contributing members, contributing members. Notice at verse 23, And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. We have to understand that these members are supposed to contribute to each other. They are supporting one another. If there's a person in the church that you feel like, oh, you know, they're really lacking something or they're not that great, you know, you better watch out for that one. We're supposed to contribute to each other. We're not supposed to discourage. We're not supposed to put down each other. Look, we have to be mindful of the people that are weaker in the church. I know somebody's character, personality, maybe a little bit weird when you talk to them. Or somebody's personality or character may be a little too loud. Maybe there's a personality and a character who's a little bit geeky and you just want to run away from the person. I know the personality and character, maybe the person is just too quiet and you feel a little weird about that. I know there might be a person in the church who may not as pass out as many tracts as you do, read as much Bible as you do, may not attend all the services as much as you do, and may not be as spiritual as you. And there might be some people in the church who may have taken the vaccine and other people who didn't take the vaccine. And then some people who come inside our church with a mask and other people who don't wear a mask. You know what the problem with members today is? Is that they're looking at their own spiritual walk with God. And because they're doing so well in their spiritual walk, they make the mistake of comparing their own spiritual walk with other people's spiritual walk when you have no idea why the people did what they did, and it's none of your stinking business either. Amen, How do you not know that the person is suffering a health problem? A person is being suffering persecution from his or her own family. The person is about to lose his or her own job. The person is about to have a mental breakdown and was crying in the middle of the night because of something that you said that you thought that because you were spiritual, but you hurt that person at the end. Shame on you. Shame on you. Don't compare your track passing, your health, and your Bible reading and prayer, and how much you helped out the church to other people. You don't contribute to these members. Leave these members alone because you have no idea what they went through. And if you're not careful, one day God is going to put you through the same situations that those people, weaker members, went through. And then you're going to realize, wow, it is really hard to come to church. I didn't know it was going to be this tough. 
Well, I see why they resorted to that decision at the end. You know why? Wait till you have the same family problems, the peer pressure, the work pressure, and then health problems in your life. And then God allows the devil to give you heyday. And let's see if your flesh changes its lustful desire and the addiction kicks in 10 times stronger. Then let's see how spiritual you are. Some of you never experienced what it was like to be in a broken home. Some of you never experienced what it was like to go under a different culture and a different family situation. Some of you never experienced what it was like to suffer so much pain in the body on something. Some of you never experienced what it was like with some of these people that they went through, which is why they may be weaker. But if you were in their shoe, you'd probably be 10 times weaker. And if you don't think so, because you're just so oblivious, you better watch out. The Lord's going to send you that trial, the same trial. And you're going to be the one that's ashamed to come to church because you skipped out just like they did. And you're going to be the one that's so embarrassed and ashamed and you're not going to come back to church anymore. Right. You know, I've seen some of these people who are judgmental on other people about their spiritual life. And guess what happened? When they were caught doing the same thing, they became very defensive and they felt ashamed and embarrassed. And guess what? You don't see them in church anymore. You got to, yes, that's the best advice. Leave them alone. For crying out loud, leave them alone. God knows every situation that they go through, and he knows what they did was wrong. You certainly don't. Don't judge those people by your spiritual walk. You see me doing that? You see me doing that? What if I started doing that on all of you? If I started to uh, judge my spiritual walk with you, then guess what? We wouldn't even have a church. You ever see me come up to you, compare my spirituality with yours? Or do you just see me just be a normal person with you? And if you're seeking spiritual advice from me, from my spiritual walk, I'll be happy to give it to you. Good wisdom. I ain't going to point my finger at you and tell you to do all this stuff. The only time that I judge is if it hurts the edification of the church. That's it. That's the only line I cross. Everything else, I just let it be. Let the person be what he or she is. That's it. Amen. All right. Maybe the brother and sister is a little weird or little burden or strange here and there. But guess what? You better watch out for that because maybe the Lord's using that decision they did, which is a different spiritual walk than yours, for his glory on something else. Right, right. You better watch out for that. Seventh point is caring members. Members who care at verse 25 through 27. I'm not going to read that for time's sake, but notice right here that members should have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, they suffer. One member is rejoiced, we rejoice. You know, you got, are you a member who cares for people? Who cares for people? You know, the thing is, is that, yes, you're right about that. We shouldn't be judgmental about your business. And if you're weaker in the faith, we're going to leave you alone. But that, there's also that other balance, right? It's always a balance. That same member, you better not be that member who burdens the whole church, who's very inconsiderate oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. and says, well, you know, the person should leave me alone with my weaker status. But if your weaker status is burdening the church, 
Man, you better fix that attitude of yours, that personality, that character, those decisions you made, and those actions you committed. You better fix that because you're very selfish and inconsiderate of people. You better, you, you know what, you don't, you don't care about the people. You only care about yourself. And you say, yeah, none of your business, you know, leave me alone. That's my own business. See, that's all about me, 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 me. You don't care how other people perceive about you. If it's not a good testimony in the eyes of other people, I'd fix that if I were you. And not use the excuse that I'm just a weaker member, it's none of their business. You're right, it's none of our business, but that doesn't give you an excuse to go out the other extreme. If both sides fix their faults, guess what? We're going to be in sync together. But when one person does his wrong thing on this side, and the other person does his wrong thing on the other side, guess what? It destroys a church. Right. Be considerate of people. You know what? Uh, some people, they are not considerate. You ever, uh, if you're that one member, even just that one member in the body, and let's say that you're the brain, all right? And that whole body just wants to sleep, okay? You ever been that uh, person where you want to sleep, you're so tired, but for some weird reason, that stupid brain of yours just kept worrying and worrying and worrying. And you're like, I got to sleep. I got to sleep. And then the more you're telling yourself to sleep, the, the brain is going even faster. Ah, like that. And then you get so angry at your brain. And then sometimes you just want to go ah, and tear your brain in half. The thing is this, is that that brain does not care about the whole body. It cares about itself, 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 itself. And then sometimes you grieve the whole body to a point that the body wished that, I wish you never even existed. If you never existed, I could have just slept a peaceful sleep. That's good. You, don't want, you know why you don't want to be the inconsiderate member? You don't want to be that member that the whole body of Christ says, I wish that person doesn't come to church. I wish that person doesn't act like a burden. Oh, I have to. I can't come to church anymore because of that person. You don't want to be that person. That's why. Do you want to hurt the whole body with your attitude, your decisions, your character and everything? You don't want to be that person. That, it really hurts. I don't know if you know this. It really, really hurts if you get some people thinking about, man, I'm glad so-and-so don't come back to church anymore. You don't think that doesn't happen? It does happen. Yeah. It does happen. It happens. You know what sometimes Bible-believing pastors said? I'm glad a split happened. Why? Because those troublemakers can go away. Those people who cause a burden will go away and not cause problems to our church. So yes, it does happen. People can think that I'm glad so-and-so don't come to church anymore to cause problems. Don't be inconsiderate. Be caring. Ultimately, I want to close my sermon with this is that the last part of the verse says at verse 27 now ye are the body of Christ you know why you should uh, one should be for all and all relies on one you know why that's so important you forget the most important thing out of all these points you know why you should follow these points you're not thinking about Jesus' body you're not thinking about how he feels in his body are you that person in the body of Christ that's just grieving and hurting Jesus? 
All of us, I don't know why Jesus would choose us as his body. Do you realize that? Yeah. I mean, we grieve him every day, if not every second. Why would he choose us? That's how much he loves us. But he decided to choose us to be his body. My, my, my. I don't want to be the person that gives grief to his body. I don't want to be that finger that makes him feel pain all the time, the annoying pain. I don't want to be that brain, that part in the brain that keeps Jesus up every sleepless night. I don't want to be that foot that makes my Savior just hobble all the time. I don't want to be that one little bone in the back, which seems so unimportant, but make Jesus look crooked and go hunchback like that. I don't want to be that one. Do you realize it's not about you and it's not even about others in the church. It's uh, do you really even think about Jesus? The person you're hurting the most is Jesus when you don't do your part for the church. Every head bow and every eye shut. The altar call is open. Are you that one member that's damaging and hurting the body of Christ? You don't realize how important each and every one of you are. You're so important. Every single part in the body is so important, even though you think that you're unimportant. I'm just that little finger. I'm not that important. But when an unexpected situation unexpected situation happens you're that person that we need and rely upon that we're used to and when you're gone then guess what it takes away a third a quarter of the morale of the church it gets killed it gets killed you know if you're that one family with uh five kids for example you are important why you make up the majority in the church you're the one that gives the kids more friends do you not realize that Do you not realize that? If you're that one single individual, female, that comes to the church, and you might say, I'm not that important. No, you're that important single female to the other single female. Well, I'm just a quiet individual. I don't think I'm that important. No, you're that important quiet individual for the other quiet individual. And maybe we need some quiet individuals because we just got too many people who talk. You see, everyone is so important in the body of Christ. One thing I've learned is it doesn't matter who you are. You're so important, each and every one of you. You know why? Each and every one is what makes up called San Jose Bible Baptist Church. What makes us a very unique church? All the victories that we had, all the fruits that we had, do you realize it's because of you who joined? Each and every one of you who thought that it's important that I come, that I join. That's what made us a great, great church. What makes it a great blowout? What makes it a great summer camp? Each and every one individual who contributed their part and made it such a spectacular, unique event. A church... We're very culturally diverse, which is a miracle. But you know what? It's because of one person bringing his or her own culture in. And that's what makes us a very unique church. We're not a completely white church. We're not a completely Korean church. We're not a completely black church. We're very culturally diverse. It's only God could bring us all together. Why each and every one of you bring your life, your story, your contribution Yes, you are important, even though you don't think you are. 
The whole body of Christ hinges upon one member. And one member hinges upon the entirety of the body of Christ too. That's why we need everyone. Everyone. Because that one person hinges on everybody. Father God, as I close in prayer uh, to respect the time a bit, I pray that today's preaching has convicted and changed people on our part. Every single person is so unique and so important. And I pray that each and every person would think about being a blessing to others. Think about not grieving you. Lord God, I pray that you'll get the full glory. Lord, San Jose Bible Baptist Church, I am so proud to be a part of this church. I don't know why you would give me this church. I'm, I hope these people really understand, each and every one of them, that they'll, they'll understand how much each and every one of them is important to me. Lord, I, I'm so thankful to all these people. And I pray that each and every one will realize how important they are and they must contribute their part. Even though unimportant they may think that they may be, open their eyes, their spiritually blind eyes, and make them see the importance of how you want them to be and what they can do for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.